Good afternoon, gentlemen, and people listening in. Good afternoon. <laughs> Welcome Wait. to the Dissect Podcast. Um, we see Could you call it gentlemen, gentlemen, <laughs> <laughs> with an attitude like that. Yeah. You know? um, today, uh, man, we're just gonna get real sad real quick. Oh. Uh, Keegan is leaving us. So this is your exit interview live in front of everybody else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've been worried about this for like two days. Well, I've brought I brought some charts uh, for your performance metrics since oh. you've been here. No, <laughs> put them up on these. Uh, I'll put them up with whatever these. those are for <laughs> light boards yeah. for X rays. Yeah, right now they're just used to write words that we're not supposed to say. But then we couldn't do that because then we just started saying those words. So isn't that where you put the mood board? <laughs> So you can sit in front of it for inspiration. That's that's my dream board. Yeah, a dream dream board. board. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mood board is, I don't know what that is. The, okay. the dream board is like all the shit that I want. I put on that board. Yeah, and then I think about it, and then the universe gives it to me. I just put up pictures of Rich Piana everywhere. Because <laughs> you want to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he who everybody aspires to be? <laughs> I, I, I I don't know who that is. Sorry, I just watched Generation Iron, so it's just oh. in my head. But, oh, Rich Piana. Okay. Rich Piana is that bodybuilder who's. A, kind of a Guido. I he was like one it. of the first Insta famous yeah, yeah. people to make a bunch of money and never really do anything. And I feel comfortable saying that because I don't think Rich Piana followers are probably listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> did, did I thought I thought he was a freak show. Like I thought he kind of was, was. But He's, he he like tried to do bodybuilding. I don't think he did great at it. No. And then started a supplement line. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. He became very big on social media. Yeah, maybe he's the first successful social media bodybuilder. Like they didn't have, like obviously like Ronnie Coleman. And stuff it, or, yeah, he, didn't, he doesn't have the accolades to back yeah, yeah, up yeah. to yeah. whatever. Right. But he so. just talked a bunch of shit. Almost like the ultimate warrior. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like very similar. Like he just has a voice that goes with like a caricature. Yeah. And that character. Yeah, he was a character. Like, yeah. I really like the Ultimate Warrior. I do too. <laughs> when he's telling that fucking kid, I've been fucking squatting for fifty years. <laughs> <laughs> I, if you have a, he has a host of motivational videos. The Ultimate, the Ultimate Warrior now. Like okay. he, he's not the Ultimate Warrior anymore. Well, he, he'll always be the Ultimate Warrior, but <laughs> he's just some old dude that coaches kids, and he talks about like there's no such thing as overtraining. You got your panties in a bunch. <laughs> Oh, he had one video where he was like, someone asked me a question about overtraining, and I first said, take off that fucking dress and get rid of your purse. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, I didn't see that one. That wow, one's that, really good. That sounds like he is, he has an excess of, uh, what do you call it, toxic masculinity? Yeah, I was, I was going to say yang, but, <laughs> but whatever. Don't be racist. The best part is all these, he's, he's coaching children. Yeah. <laughs> I believe I've seen him. Yeah, I think you uh, sent some, one to all of us at one point. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. Where the he one was outside at the track, yeah, or yeah, something yeah, yeah, and yeah. just screaming. I just talking shit. <laughs> I, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like it was a one-time thing for somebody. To no, just, I think that's a like, lifetime thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a brilliant T-shirt you're wearing today, Keegan. It by is. The way. It is. I got a lot of weird looks at Excel when I was working out earlier. Imagine, really? Like yeah. I think people thought they saw what they saw and then realized they didn't see it, <laughs> and just <laughs> wa- kept walking. <laughs> it's like someone from Jim Joe's <laughs> trains in here. Oh, they must That's have spelled crazy. that wrong. Yeah. Wow. What a weird mistake I on that wanna, shirt. I just want to, bro. Do you earn that? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, we put up with Joe living here yeah. for like five weeks. We all, we Everybody all deserve one of these. Everybody earned it. <laughs> I, I think Keegan earned it by riding up the canyon with Joe. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, to be fair to Joe, this happened the other... Uh, Aaron went and bought us more coffee mugs. Um, ones okay. with our initials. So we got oh. an M, an M, and an E, and then she got a J. And I was like... Who? And she's like Joe. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ! He has his own coffee mug. I've been here longer than he has. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, Aaron. Aaron sold you out. But maybe she Damn heard it. the news. Maybe she's like, oh well, Keegan bailed on us. <laughs> I'm only joking. But are you? <laughs> kind of. I, my feelings were very, very hurt. I know they were. But only, only because like it's very rare that somebody comes here, and well, it's very rare that anybody comes here. Period. It's very rare that <laughs> that you make like like if you're over the age of thirty, how easy is it to make friends? Yeah, no, it's not easy at all. It's next to fucking impossible. So when you came here and then moved is here, I was that like, what my fucking problem is? Like, <laughs> yeah, Mark, you are over thirty. <laughs> yeah, I, that's your problem. I, I just really. Yeah, it's just, it's just your age. Well, I mean, how do okay. you how do you it's do it? It's just a number, like. <laughs> I, I How do you make friends? This this was a com- a comedian <laughs> on I can't remember her name Taylor something on Netflix was talking about um, she was joking about like how you can tell whether people are too young to get married and she was just talking about they have like forty people in their wedding they have like forty friends that's not an adult that's a child because <laughs> children you gotta, have, like yeah. whittle down your bridesmaid <laughs> party or whatever yeah She's, like, you're, you're too young she said i think like you're ready to get married when you're like fuck i have nobody hey you over here let's team up <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> a good point yeah it's pretty fucking accurate i think wow yeah that's good so keegan moved here um you know i mean i don't know why because he came during the whole turmoil of the the sect sorority thing so yeah i don't know why either Oh, it's changed from a fraternity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, I wanted to be gender neutral or balanced anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah balance out the Fair. fraternity comments. They're earlier. all the same these days. Pretty yeah. soon it'll just be one word. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think between talking to both of you, I mean, me and you, Michael, we talked a lot mm-hmm. before I came out here, and I think it seemed like I actually had found like minded people that thought the way I did, thought above the way I thought, but in a direction that I wanted to take my thinking, hmm. as weird as that might sound or whatever, but um, it just seemed like a between the two of you, like a group of individuals that made me actually put thought into what I was doing and why I was doing it, and it seemed like something I wanted to be around, if you want an answer as to why I moved out here. Well, I guess I can cross out this critical remark I was going to make about you. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 it's rare that somebody comes in and fits in so well, like who, who gets like, and not from a similar background. I mean, the exact opposite, I mean, energy spectrum wise, we're yeah. still talking about effort and doing hard stuff, but it is rare that somebody is just like, oh, you guys are talking about endurance. Like there is like, 
yeah, it's it's new to you or it's a different subject matter, but you understand the approach to it. It's not one that, A, we're not trying to sell anything. And I think that's what attracts most people to start with is like it's not – it, it, it's not a business first and foremost. Right. And so, okay, they like doing this because they like doing it. It's ideas. And maybe that's that's the easy communication because when you came here, you weren't looking for anything. Like it was, or maybe you were looking for something personally, but not looking for anything from us right. other than to like hang out. Yeah. And that's totally acceptable anytime. Um, although now that I've dealt with all my feelings being hurt with Keegan leaving, I think I'm going to, I'm not going to let anybody move here anymore. So I'm shutting s- down the gym. Yeah. Nobody's allowed you, inside. Well, are people allowed inside right now? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we should so probably double this outside. The yeah. <laughs> Just do not enter signs everywhere. Kicking myself out as well. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so, I mean, and then it was kind of a matter. I mean, you were here during the, the turmoil of it. So I always felt like bad that it wasn't like up and running or we didn't have our shit together because... Let's be honest. Me and Mark will never have our shit together. <laughs> yeah, I think to be yeah, fair keep, to that, keep, though, come, come back in like two years or just you just uh, ask in two years. Do you guys know what you're doing yet? No, same thing. <laughs> what <are> you <laughs> Still working. Yeah. I'll expect some of those boards in the office to look exactly the same the next time I come back. Yeah. There'll probably be different jokes written on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Because if we're laughing about the same jokes, uh, I don't yeah. know. That's fair. Then we truly have not. As long as Evolved. that mask of the baby stays up somewhere, I For think sure. that joke will always be well, funny. Toxiccharlatan.com will always... It's a classic. That, that will always be funny. That it's will timeless. always be funny. I, that, I renewed that the other day. Actually. Oh, nice. You know, they sent me a note saying, you know, your year on this is just about up. You've got another month. And I was thinking, you know, that's a that's a really tasty URL. I don't It's very applicable. It, to many yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. Many people. Yeah. Many people. Um. Hey, I'd like to, you know, drop a little advertising in here. <laughs> Word from our sponsor. <laughs> Word from our sponsor. Ourselves. Yeah. Oh, the whole thing is a advertisement, I guess, for <laughs> what we don't know that we... What for we, that thing you might sell one day. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got? I, I got nothing. <laughs> I was just like, you know, of the three things I could try and advertise here that are sitting on this table... Um, <laughs> Two of them I'd like to drink. <laughs> and like don't a, in any way benefit the company, it, it, but it, you'd it, feel great. But I would, well, it depends on how much of them I drank. And, and, and if I combined <laughs> the mighty grape with the, with the mighty grain, you know. and You'd feel great for a while. I'd, it, and then it, there'd probably it, be a drop-off that's pretty drastic. It might be pretty drastic. <laughs> it might last a while, actually, too. It's a sharp parabola. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, all right. See, I'm going to miss I, things like that. Yeah. And now I'm going to just like, oh, damn. Watch some asshole will be like, like wrong. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Parabolas can't be sharp. I, I, actually, <laughs> I, there was a beautiful in uh, one of the the social media thing. It must have been an Instagram thing um, about one of the recent podcasts that I got called out for not catching you on a, oh. a, a who versus whom. Oh, oh. And I was just like, God damn. Damn it! I've, you're right. I've chance. lost my. I've lost the the right to comment now. And I can't believe I missed that. Just for the rule, just so we're clear about whom, because I always do. Oh, get confused dude, no, about don't that. even. Yeah, is it? It, it should be um, if you could replace it with him, then it's a whom, right? But if it's a he, it's a who. That sounds like a shortcut way of knowing the rule. There's probably way more to it than that. Okay, I, I do I think enjoy it's a subject object situation, but. 
I, you know. Okay. Well, yeah. See, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna solve it here today. I could go. I have that. <laughs> no, I think I threw that style. What we should do is just take white book away. whatever silence is necessary to all yeah. stop and Google it right now and just let the listener <laughs> linger. Like, yeah. What are they gonna talk again? Until somebody's like, "Oh, here it is." Yeah. I'm not gonna do that. But okay. So, um, <laughs> advertising. Raise three is out. Oh. Shit. Wait, it might be sold out by the time we post this podcast, though. So I don't, it's, um, don't, it's don't, don't disregard that advertisement. You can't oh. buy it. You can't get it. It doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. We got a few copies in the office. Some proofs. You actually had to go through a bunch of proofs this time because we typoed the shit out of that one. Oh, yeah. There was a lot. Um, uh, yeah. It's not for sale. Okay. <laughs> go back. <laughs> That's our advertisement. <laughs> moving yeah, on. It moving, is kind of funny because... We were supposed to record something about that maybe a couple weeks before Ray's came out, to, and then we forgot. And then when we actually printed it, it was like, no, it's too late. It's too late to record that thing. Yeah. Let's just let's just use social media, <laughs> and we'll try and let people know that it's available that way. Or actually, we'll just put it in the store, mm. which is what Ooh. you did, and yeah. then even password protected in the store. Mm. And a couple of three people, three people got, got to even before it was announced that it was, you know, we were, it was like a test page basically, and they bought it. Oh, here's the weird part: like, three people got should... it before I set the password correctly. <laughs> like there are some people that are ahead of the curve. On <laughs> we've some been shit. we've been hacked. <laughs> oh, this is easy. <laughs> I just, I, exactly. Super if you weird. just get in there, there's that window. Yeah. Before we assign the password to it, when when it when it's available. To the public. Yeah. I want to know With what those no people Easter egg hunt. do. Besides I, clearly sit at a computer. Honestly, and I'm not I'm not totally sure, but I think one of them works for the agency. I think he's a spook. So that would make total sense. <laughs> An alert pops up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Race so, three's out. You're like, oh cool. Oh, <laughs> nice. He tells me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's um I don't even know what to say. We were going to record. We, we promised. So so probably three months ago, we decided, right, that mm. we were going to do an advertisement oh, right. um, in each episode <laughs> that we recorded. And then usually we're, we're finished and all the you know headphones are off, the microphones are turned off. And we're like, ah, damn it. We forgot again. So, <laughs> so thanks. And Keegan's not going to be here to keep us. It was in, a good idea at the time. but it, yeah. yeah, it seemed like it, but no follow through. It's just... <laughs> Uh, yeah oh well well race three is gone so sorry yeah <clears throat> brought to you or by your sponsor maybe there'll be one copy left for should like we do a 200 blue bucks should we do like a blue apron thing so <laughs> <laughs> no i got the <laughs> i was thinking about promoting the are we gonna do ultras? a little maids outfit thing is that what you're saying blue apron is that <laughs> where we're going with this already <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to promote your new sponsor the ultra sling four by donjoy <laughs> <laughs> i do not Actually, because this one sucks. It's actually the number two, which is the good one. This one was made um, because the number the, the 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 model two wasn't adjustable enough for some people. And so, what happened with the number four is that it's so fucking adjustable that the person wearing it can't actually mm. adjust it on their own. They <laughs> fat, need fat people it, screwed you again. They need two people to help them adjust it. Yeah, but the thing is, like, if you have a shoulder surgery and you're fat, you already got adduction going, right? You don't need the pillow under the sling. You've got plenty of fucking pillow. Built-in pillow? Built-in pillow. So 
Like I'm guessing people like that when they wheel them out of the, you know, and like send them home after a little rotator cuff just action the, or just whatever. Just the blue sling. Just the old school blue yeah, ones. Yeah, probably whatever. like vet wrap or something, you know, that <laughs> tape they used to. So just use your t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> just. <laughs> you just set it on the belly. Yeah. <laughs> no sling required. No yeah. sling required. It's like it's supported and it's from the from the bottom and it's supported from the back and. As long as you don't move, which you weren't going to do anyway. Um, <laughs> just obvious. You're really good at being sedentary. Yeah. <laughs> You'll the, heal just fine. Now listen, the, the no best. extreme activity. Yeah. Got as, it. As if that, <laughs> don't, don't change your garments, clothes, whatever. Mm. I mean, that's a, that's actually the worst part, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to, like to not think. Fair enough. Um. <clears throat> But thanks for bringing that up. You're welcome. I'm, I'm actually I'm seven days out right today. Yeah, yeah. I said in the office so that's awesome. the last one, but that's the last one. Okay. <laughs> but back to your point about uh, when you felt bad when mm. the turmoil was going on with the sorority here. Um, t- to be fair to that, when I moved out here, I mean nothing was promised to me. There was no job. There was no anything. It was mm. just sure. Come on out and let's see what happens. So. There's nothing really at that point to feel bad about. And I had been around plenty of gym drama at that point in the oh, last right. four or five years that, I mean, that was really nothing new. I mean, kind of carried on for quite a while, but it was mildly entertaining for the majority of it. Well, maybe by feel bad, um, I should just say I'm, I was embarrassed. <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't change that. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. No, I couldn't either. Yeah. That was the embarrassing right. part. So, you know, you came during this time, but we still had really a lot of fun doing random shit yeah which no, i really didn't. enjoyed a lot of shenanigans what uh and then so you're uh that 61 centimeter frame gravel bike yes you're leaving that for me right absolutely <laughs> okay not. cool oh shit <laughs> it's gonna be like a penny farthing or i'd need a ladder to get on top of it or something but i am leaving an assault bike that you're more than welcome to use that's not going to happen. I prefer, uh, you know, especially as long as I'm sponsored by Donjoy. Um, Fair enough. Uh, but there is that other, you know, of all things, I did bring a pair of, you know, like padded shorts in today. Mm. Might be getting on that C2. old flat pedal concept too. later, maybe. Later today? I don't know. I'll, say, I'll, I'll do it if you do it. It just depends on how Ooh. much of this bottle of rye I get into during you know, the afternoon photo well, you editing. Can, you know, just set up a table between the bikes, and there's no reason you can't do both. <laughs> That's a good point. Actually, it is a stationary bike. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> you don't need, like, uh, proprioception or anything to keep the bike upright. You just got to kind of hang out and, and get comfortable. And let that big gear just turn itself over <laughs> yeah so to speak <laughs> yeah your weight has nothing to do with it i hear <laughs> well i guess to be fair to everybody listening they're probably wondering why i'm leaving maybe no they tuned out a long time Damn ago okay. no, <laughs> yeah no they they, just, they heard that whole thing about the sorority and about like you know you thought that we were different than we actually turned out to be yeah i know <laughs> i do kind of want to make sure nobody thinks it's because michael's so good at burning things down that our friendships evaporated in flames of gasoline and diesel fuel well little do people can't see i'm holding a gun to your head right now just so you say that 
Yeah, so Michael sucks, and I hate being around him, and no. Um, I'm going to put that – I'm going to open the episode with that clip specifically. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so why are you moving? Um, it's Ayahuasca's fault, I think. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so was it – we'll get into that. But So I think it was three months ago. I should probably know that specifically, but uh, my mom died – uh, she had, she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer about a year ago. Um, and from that point on, like nothing, nothing helped, nothing made it better. It was pretty much just a straight shot downhill. Um, I was home for like the last three weeks of it. Um, and to be honest, it was probably some of like the most horrific shit I've ever seen a human being go through. And I kind of like went through it, you know, did the funeral and all that stuff with my dad and, you know, the other family that I have left in, uh, Massachusetts, Came back out here and kind of just went about life like nothing had changed. Um, and then I went home for Thanksgiving and something just kind of felt funky um, to, to me internally. Um, like I needed to be back there and I don't know if I'm not over it or I mean, I'm sure I'm not over it. I mean, my mom died three months ago, but just like this need to want to be around family and I don't know. I didn't want to like wake up in 10 years and have my dad going through something similar and be like, Oh, I missed out on all this time I could have spent with family. Um, and I'm not putting it on him cause he'd tell me not to come home cause he is who he is. But, um, like for me, I feel like I need to be there. A and, stoic new Englander. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like I need to be around family and I don't know if that's going to be, you know, for the winter for the next year, for the rest of my life. But it just seems like that's the direction I want to go. And I mean, I said it to both of you. It's not that I want to leave here. It's just that I feel like I have to be in Massachusetts, at least at this point. Yeah. So. While, um, can I actually, okay, let me, let me, let me, (laughs) let me just be an adult while I am going to miss you. Say that with with as little emotion as possible. (laughs) When you actually first talked about this, whatever, a week ago or a few days ago, I can't even remember now. It's been, it Um, it came quick. Yeah, I did. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I was just like, wow. Wow. I don't wish I had that relationship or connection to my family. Um, but I recognize that I don't, and I recognize that you do. Yeah. And I just thought, fuck. Yeah. Got to go. So your wows like, didn't go unnoticed. And when I left that <laughs> night, I kind of was like, I think it feels like I'm doing the right thing. Like, I don't know it, why that resonated with me. Like, oh, I think this is the right thing to do, at least right now. It's, I mean, from a, a, a friend, outs, you know, observer, whatever standpoint, it's like, okay, if, if, I had heard that call so strongly. There'd be no, d- d- yeah, of course I'm, I would go. Right. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and, I, <laughs> and so, so go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I mean, even Monday. Just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is a strange thing there. Cause not that like, I don't have necessarily like, a bad relationship with my father, but I would never have any kind of inclination to go spend time with him. Right. Um, and I think like 
given he's super healthy, I think it's appropriate to talk about <clears throat> hypotheticals of him being unhealthy and close to death of some sort. And I still think like a visit or two would be in order right? to like wrap shit up. But I don't like, I don't think he would want that from me and to like hear your reasoning. I think that was what was so alien. I mean, me and Mark both had to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like we, and then the next day we're like, is that a thing? Like people go spend time with their family. Right. You know, like that. And, and maybe I just, cause my mom's here that that would be a similar draw. If there was something, you know, Oh, I've been away from my mom for a while. Then yeah, yeah I would probably have something similar like that. But it, it took us like a couple conversations to be like, Oh, I guess that's a thing for some people. And that's commendable. And also it is one of those things where you do have to do what you have to do. Yeah. Well, I kind of, in a, in a way, I kind of feel like I'm 0 for 2 right now. Mm. Um, my brother died when I was 16. He was chronically ill his whole life. Um, he ended up dying from leukemia. He was in the hospital a lot in Boston. So I didn't see him much, and we didn't. I mean, I was 16 and younger through that whole time. So I feel like I didn't really connect with him. Like, I didn't – we didn't do a lot of stuff together. Like, he was chronically ill. I was super active, playing mm. sports, doing things like that. Like, yeah, we played Little League together and whatnot but you know when i was going out to play with my friends it wasn't necessarily like hey man come on let's go do this together like he'd be doing his thing i'd do mine and i just i knew something was off i mean i was 16 mm -hmm. and younger like i said so i didn't exactly know what was going on i had an idea and then when he died it was kind of like all right like what's the next thing like i played a baseball game that day and just kind of like moved on like it just like oh that happened and let's just not deal with it and then my mom died and it was kind of like, oh, I was here and I was in Reno, you know, when she was, when she got diagnosed and I just kind of felt like, oh, I kind of missed a lot of time with both of those people. And now I don't want to do that. I think with my father, mm. do you think it would have, uh, I mean, do you think given what you're doing now, if you would have had that reaction to like learning about your mom's diagnosis, it would have changed anything about it or at least just how you personally feel? I don't know. Um, I'm not actually sure what you mean by the question. Like, um, do you think if you rewound, like, is there a lot of regret there? Like I should have gone out. I should have spent more time. I should have. I, I don't think there's regret, um, especially cause it happened so fast. Mm -hmm. Um, like they came out to Reno. I mean, I was in Reno six months ago, so they were probably out there eight months ago. You know, we did the casino thing, mm -hmm. the touristy thing, whatever touristy shit there is to do in fucking Reno. Um, and like she was fatigued and tired, but you know, she was going through some chemo and I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then one thing led to another and it was, I think I was home for about six out of the last nine weeks of her life, mm -hmm. um, which I was really happy about. Like, I think we spent some good quality time together. We spent some interesting time together. Um, but I don't think just with how fast that happened, like if it carried on for like three years and she was in and out of hospitals and I was just like, oh, dad, good luck dealing with that shit. I'm going to hang out in Salt Lake City or something. I think I might regret that a little bit. But yeah. I think just with the short time frame, like there really wasn't anything I could have done more for that. I do. I think with my brother, I regret not including him more or not. Like I definitely shied away from when I knew he was really sick because it scared the shit out of me, like hanging out with him. Because mm. it was just like I don't, I didn't know what that was, so I was just like, oh, I'll just pretend like it's not there. This might seem like a weird question, but do you think this stuff, like this stuff, is really hard for most people to think about, especially like I don't lounging around. Like it's not, they're not thoughts that I think about, but they are things that come up 
almost as soon as I start a hard effort of some sort. I don't know why. Like they're they're very attached. As in like death? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the whole concept, the whole like time thing, like uh, just immediately. I mean, mostly it's an excuse to stop what I'm doing, pedaling, lifting, whatever. Sure. The if thing I keep to, pedaling, I will die. <laughs> <laughs> if I keep, Wait, if if I keep, I keep pedaling, it, I'll waste time with, you know what I mean? Like there's this time effort yeah. I, and we call it a confrontation with mortality because I, I think there is something about um, the amount of physical work that, you know, people like you do, they have an association to death. Like yeah. they have, and I think it is a better one. Like, I think it is a more clear cut one. And when I see it, uh, I mean, cause Aaron is dealing with something similar right, right now and like to just look from afar, um, because I, I can be like, I can be a satellite, like not that we don't have a relationship with, uh, her mother but she's going through cancer it's a very difficult one it was breast cancer that now is in her you know liver and some other things and uh, it's really interesting to see how non-physical people handle the association with mortality and i don't think it's i've never seen it be a healthy one like uh my grandfather i mean he was dying for 16 years which doesn't seem i mean we're all dying but i mean he was literally should have died sure for a very long period of time but he was such a physical person that he handled it differently yeah like i mean when he quit talking and he was just reduced to a wheelchair his i mean in no motor function whatsoever he would make my grandma strap um the rise and fall of the roman empire on audiobook which is like 1200 hours of whatever <laughs> tape and he would just listen to that yeah and that like he his brain kept going because he was still i don't know functioning and then seeing my uh stepfather go through you know stage four liver cancer almost immediately it was a terminal i mean he went within four months yes yeah. yep. through like diagnosed and then over with and to see his lack of ability to deal with anything and also how unphysical of a person he was it was just, i mean there's something here there's something about um how we approach life or death, and then that translates into how we live it. And I think um, watching you deal with your mother, because I was there, it, it was really interesting to me to to watch you handle like the hardest thing that someone might go through, right? Um, and use physical effort to kind of express whatever frustration you had. And I'm sure it goes beyond that. I just saw like you know the surface, but uh, do you think that? these efforts because you have toyed quite a bit with like dumb shenanigans. Yeah. Do you think that in part is helping you? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, and I know I don't want to beat a dead horse cause we've talked about it a dozen times on here, but that 30 days of a thousand calories mm -hmm. culminating in that hundred thousand meter bike. I mean, that 100% was basically everything to do with my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, and it started with just like, I'd come into the gym either alone. I mean, I was most of the time always alone, I'd, but I'd either come here by myself or I'd be coaching people. And then when they left, I would do it. And it just started as like, well, I mean, a, you kind of challenged me a little bit when you text me when I was home and you're like, Hey, I did a thousand calories in, you know, whatever, 54 minutes or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll have to do that when I get back. And then I did it. And I was like, I guess I'll do it again tomorrow. Cause it was such a, like a cathartic way for me to process all the shit that was going through my head. Um, and honestly, it kind of seemed like the harder the day was, the harder I went on the bike. Mm. And then when things started to get better, or at least I felt like I had worked through things, it was kind of like on those days I would just take it easy. And then every once in a while I'd be like, oh, well, let's just try to hurt myself mm. um, 
for whatever reason on the bike and those days were great too. But I mean that, that 30 days in and of itself, I think helped a lot with processing everything. And I don't know if just like sitting around on a couch and like diving into a pint of Ben and Jerry's every night is the most productive way to kind of like work through problems. It's certainly the tastier way. It, oh. True. <laughs> true. But I, I don't know if you, once you get through all the different possible flavors and flavor combinations, kind of a, I, I mean, and after one pint, I mean, you're not tasting ice cream anymore. You're just eating cold shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> it true. It's the same. I know because I've tried <laughs> tried a couple challenges I've been for there. myself. Um, a couple of eating challenges. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I do think to your point that there is like when you do hard efforts and you mm-hmm. do physical things your whole life. When you get, you know, I don't think it's ever easy to hear like, "Hey, you're probably going to die." Mm. Um, but it's just, I think, you wire yourself to realize it's another challenge that maybe you're not going to come out the other end of, but another challenge to deal with until it's over. Mm. And when people don't have things and experiences to pull from that were hard, they find things out like, oh, you have cancer, you have to go through this, and it becomes this overwhelming thing that takes over their entire life. And from my like limited window of this, from what I've known, like, people largely deal with it by ignoring it. Yeah. Like by not talking about it, by not dealing with like the specifics of it. And that's largely how I think most of the population handles their absolute incapability. Like they just ignore it. They just put it in a different room and don't think yeah. about it. You know, the doctor will tell them their blood pressure is going up. This, all the signs are there, but if they don't focus on it, it doesn't exist. I almost look at but it I th- like, I think, excuse me for mm-hmm. interrupting, but wow, did I just, <laughs> what's going on so, with you like it's so polite right now i don't know it must be um i i, I think often times w- when people you know react to the condition in that way mm-hmm. uh, um it's be- what they're they're basically expressing the fact that they've never learned that they can affect the outcome of certain things in their life Right, like they never did a, you know, there was never a, 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 oh, wait, I can control this. My blood pressure is going up. Yeah. Oh, there's something I can do about this. Yep. There's, um, or I can change my circumstances or I have been able to, you know, uh, have some control over what goes into my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um and therefore I can, therefore I can change things. I have this effect, but if you've just gone through life with stuff happening to you and then you're going to continue to go through life with stuff happening to you until you have the epiphany where, you know, if it's big enough that you realize like, okay, I'm going to do these things, which will allow me over time and through practice to have some more control over the direction that my life takes or how I, Hmm you know, relate yeah. to other people or, or whatever. And, 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 and so, I mean, it, it could be from physical effort. It could be from just from many, you know, other means, I think, um, that that could come from, but just the sense that, Oh, I have, I, the, the, uh, the capacity to steer right now. Mm. Um, it seems to come from, well, I, this is trite seems to come from having been able to having done it in the past you know yeah. the, the, the ability to, to, to steer the outcome or have an influence on the outcome of this particular set of circumstances that I find myself in right now um, 
I, I know that I can have that influence on those because I have experienced that in other hmm. yeah. ways in the past. Yep. And as, as, you know, let's say silly as, you know, fitness challenges or whatever, or simply like, oh, I want to be stronger and I know how to go through this process to make myself stronger. Or, oh, I want to be lighter and I go through this process that I generally steer with my brain um, to get lighter or all of these things. And then I'm like, oh, I want to be healthier. Huh, funny. I can actually do that rather than hand off. Well, we call it silly. And it like it's silly because it doesn't seem like the existential importance of doing an airdyne effort has anything to do with death. But if we like it's really silly for a child to put, you know, blocks into shapes or like whatever that little toy is. I don't know what they call it, but you know, they're trying to figure out that is what actually builds how your brain works. Trying to though. get over square peg round hole. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I think, think about yeah. too. Exactly. And, and <laughs> kid, we think like, Oh, crawling is silly, but if you don't do it, it leads to so many downfalls. Like the inability to read comes from that. Like there. So yeah, it is silly, but it is a construct of basic human nature that we're trying to figure out by doing these stupid little exercises. They they do represent something else. Like somebody, um, I think you mentioned Brian the other day was talking about, you know, oh that that one minute all out effort like that Nate did. Like that doesn't seem like that is applicable to anything because he's talking about it from the very scientific. I train like this for this specific event and a one minute effort all out where you leave. Or don't leave. <laughs> yeah, um, I instantly got a stomach ache when you just said one minute effort on an assault bike. Exactly. But if you don't know that, you don't know that. But if if you have done it and you know what it's like to commit to something, even for sixty seconds, and give it your all, that does translate to other things. Yeah. I know how to give myself to something, even if it's against my better health or against my, you know, um, well being for at least temporarily. It does feel like that. I think, it, yeah. Going back to a little bit to the, the the idea of you know these physical efforts being potentially useful as tools or as experiences yeah. in order to address other you know bumps in the road, shall we say? Um, but I was thinking like um, back to just relationship stuff for me is that like the the when Michael you were talking about okay I get on I start the effort, you know start the thing and I get this. Um, it's the only time that you know thoughts of mortality or whatever come into your head, or or you start thinking about other people and you know the, the meaning of certain things, the importance of certain things, while doing these kind of efforts. And I just realized, like, you know, it's it's funny because I mean, for for me, all of the you know what I, the people that I consider family, my chosen family, have all been people with whom I've been through those things. Yeah, because those types of and, and it's not in the gym environment, you know, Keegan, you're not family. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> I'll get in there somehow. Yeah, <laughs> but but like if I think back to you know having sustained these efforts really for long periods of time and um, with people and gotten and then been very sensitive and emotional either during or after and re and realizing like wow that that's that's probably that's a that's maybe a healthy human relationship mm. at that point it just took me x number of calories or you know gallons of sweat or 
tears or kilojoules. whatever it is, say kilojoules, <laughs> to get the, to to get to a point where I could actually expose myself or be vulnerable enough to actually have that relationship. And that that might where, have a lot to do with it, right? Like the vulnerability it, part. Yeah, and it, and I never, I, I never did, and never could. Now certainly get there with my family members because I have that. That's my, that's the habit. Mm. Like I can't have that, that strong relationship in the same way because I can't go through those same experiences. Right. And like, mm. um, however that happened, it happened and you know, it's not going to, it's, it, it's not going to change. But I, but Keegan, when you were talking about your relationship with your mother and with your dad and then with, um, and, and with your brother, um, I, I didn't, learn that until later in life. Like I didn't learn that those, that I was capable of having those relationships until later in life when I learned the language of effort or fitness. And I don't want to make it too much of a, you know, stretch there, but, but it's true. It's like, oh yeah, if I've been, you know, crying after some, you know, horrendous physical sort of journey, um, and vulnerable or exposed in that way, then, you know, that's, that's not something I could ever, I, I was ever able to Okay, okay. Take this feeling and just turn it on or turn it off in different circumstances. Like, yeah, no, I don't think I have that ability either. But um, yeah, I, this might be a stretch, but I feel like if you go back hundreds of years, like what you're saying is actually things families used to go through together is hardships of battle and mm-hmm. war and surviving, and now everything's so kind of cush and easy relative to that that I think people kind of get lost in family or whatever. And they think it's sitting down at a dinner table and eating dinner together when it used to be surviving together. It's and like you had actually, kids so you could survive. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And I mean, your experiences, a lot of them stem from surviving. And I'm sure people that you've done that with, you'd consider family, you know, with time in the mountains or, you know, whatever you want to call efforts in a gym yeah, or things like that. Well, that um, that's kind of the weird, like, I think if I bring this up anywhere and like my interests are generally regarded as, you know, well, maybe I've just a morbid curiosity or some kind of like grotesque thing where I'm, I'm really think about death quite a bit. Um, I think probably more than a normal person given my attitude towards it or, or whatever. But I, I think that's a cultural loss in the past hundred years or so because we do not talk about it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And almost every civilization or culture had this, whether it was mysticism or, or, or some kind of supernatural sense, or they had practices and rituals surrounding death throughout time. And only recently are we like, oh, get it out of the way. Like, don't let them see the body. Right. Don't like, but or it do, ha- but let's like, Paint it. Yeah, but you it, know, it's, and it's like healthy. Put it in its Sunday best. Well, it's like right, pe- people right. are yeah, surprised yeah, yeah. by death now. <laughs> yes. When we all know we're going to die. It's the one common thing that we have. Right, like, like I could die before I go home. Like sure. that's a very like real possibility. It is the one guarantee that right. you have. And I'm everybody right. kind of like shuns away from it. We don't mm-hmm. talk about it with our kids. We don't mm-hmm. talk about it in like with our friends most of the time unless something tragic happens. And then it's like, oh shit, what do we do? Where, you know, I've been on a Vikings kick lately because I'm sitting in a house with almost nothing. So Mm. I've been watching that show Vikings, but whatever. But I mean, they all, you know, they wanted to go to Valhalla. Like Mm -hmm. they strived to do that. And to go there, they had to die, obviously. Mm -hmm. So it was a big part of their culture where now we don't have anything like that. Yeah. 
it it is it's strange it's not that i mean because it takes it's the most amount of fear you will ever have yeah what i can imagine is like and i i try to like be empathetic to it and that that's that's the really i mean what i hope for is that i'm practicing now like i'm practicing dealing it or dealing with it for myself and then hopefully i can do it with some dignity is like the only thing that I'll, that's the only payback from that investment. Um, but it seems worth it because of what I've seen in my own personal life of how people deal with it. And I think if we were to admit like one thing that I, I would take away from our culture is our inability to fucking deal with it or talk about it or even make it like not, it just needs to be normalized. Yeah. Cause you can tell, like you bring it up in a room full of people that aren't about talking about death and the whole tone of the room changes Yeah, and you're like, Oh, Sorry, I didn't know we couldn't talk oh, about like the I didn't one know definite. This, this topic <laughs> was n- not good for cocktail parties. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it should huh. be. I mean, it should be It should be discussed wherever because it happens wherever. Right. It's one of those um, things. I mean, if diet can be talked about at cocktail parties, why can't death? <laughs> well, because there's a secret to diet. No. <laughs> and that's what people are after. And the secret to like it, it's an interesting thing that you, they're they're keen that you brought up about like okay Vi- you know the, the Viking thing or whatever and they either want to go to Valhalla um, because it's you know because apparently fall there's you know everything you ever you know sure we're gonna become in life is possible there or right. whatever you know it's like it's it's paradise in a way except you get to go on a fucking cool horse and you know, be escorted <laughs> is by it, is it eight legged or is that just Odin's I, can I borrow Odin's horse <laughs> I just want to ride it once yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but then other, let's say, religious practices all have that. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the b- because we are so unable to deal with the reality of it that you know, I mean, many years I used to say that there's nothing deader than a dead climber because I mean, not that it, not that that's because well, I was a climber and I thought it was cool, but um, but that that look, no, there's. If you think you're going to some magical place afterwards, you won't try as hard to stay here. That was my reasoning for yeah. like, okay, no, it's when it's over, it's over. You don't get to do more. You're not going to meet all the people that you, you know, that you really want to hang out with when you get there, you know, because you're going to be forever sealed to your family, or <laughs> celestial kingdom or some shit. But, um, but if you're unable to deal with it now, then you manufacture like this. Okay, yeah, Grandpa moved on to a better place. I'm like, it didn't look that much better to me. I mean, it was a box. There was a hole in the ground, and um, that didn't look that great. It looked kind of lonely, actually. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I get the reasoning for that. Like, uh, I mean, there's a lot of anxiety in our in abs- our eventual yes. death. Like, we feel that hair, like whenever you get a close call in a car, you're like. <sighs> Ooh, that's what that feels like. And that, that nervous, that anxiety is a pain reaction through your nervous system. It may, I mean, there's chemicals that go through, everything is measurable and we understand that. And I think, you know, theoretically, um, when, as being a very rare animal species that can project into the future and, and associate trajectory, um, we can also associate, you know, our beginning and our end. And that, causes anxiety like you meet some people that are unable to deal with this when they think when they first learn like wait wait i'm gonna die and when that realization hits the anxiety is almost too much to bear and that is the natural reaction towards the fight or flight or whatever yeah so 
it makes sense that we make these stories for for most people to just like okay take it out of the way yeah. like this will this is better um this world exists beyond this world and who's to say that it doesn't but i do recognize it as um a story like a mythology to help us deal with this very simple pain that we all feel and maybe it's just and i, and I totally am okay with people accepting that as the answer i'm not mostly because i'm a little bit weird but also like i i kind of want to know or, or i just want to face things as real as i can um, which is weird given my trajectory with psychedelics <laughs> well no i think <laughs> well i think it's i think it's actually like right on course with that uh, i think you're practicing true and, and this is the thing that i've taken from psychedelics is is wow there is no escaping death like you cannot get away from it from heavy doses of i mean DMT, you name it, whatever the whatever the tryptamine that gets your brain to act that way, there is an acknowledgement of death for sure. And I think it's that is my favorite part about it is that, yes, there's magical things happening and your brain is working in ways and there's hallucinations, you could call it manifestations of whatever your brain's doing. But the the most real part is that you can't escape death in that moment. And how you approach it is face first. You can't run from anything from it, from what I've learned from it. Like the second you run, well, you're going to have a very bad time. Yeah. Um, the second you face the impending thing that looms in front of you is that, that I think is the big lesson. And how I noticed how you were dealing with your, your, your mom's death um, and how you describe dealing with your brother's death seem like they're totally different. Like you face this, you went, you stayed, you did exactly what you had to do until your dad basically told you, I'm good, get out of right. here kind of deal. Yeah. Um, that facing, I don't think people realize is a stem from the very basic structures of learning how to dose effort and, and deal with hardship. Yeah. I mean, I know there's nothing in a gym, um, this might be a little much, but like there's nothing in a gym that I could do now or on a bike on a street mm -hmm. or you know in a mountain or something that'll be harder than sitting next to my mom in bed holding her hand mm -hmm. while she's wearing a diaper and has no idea who anybody is. Mm. And it was just like, oh, shit. Like, I, I mean, oh, shit's about the only thing I have to, like, relate to that because mm. even to this day, I'm like, like, it wasn't her, right? It was her body, but that was about the extent of it. And, like, every once in a while, there'd be, like, a glimmer of, like, she'd know who I was, but at the same time, like, she was just in her own body fighting off wanting to die or you know the fact that she was going to die and then you know after a while she finally let go and it wasn't long after that but mm. like uh, fuck I was just like oh this is a part of life I didn't know I'd ever see or it's not something they teach you about in school but here I am like alright not something they teach you about in school yeah in fact it's avoided yeah, at all completely. costs partially because you're young and they don't want to freak the kids out but <laughs> I <laughs> but I say freak the kids out. Yeah, I, I think it might help. I don't know. Maybe it won't. But I mean, kids are pretty soft these days. But maybe that would help. It might, I mean, it would certainly ha it it would have helped for somebody to explain these things in not a in not a magical think about it later when you're you know all families gathered together and now no one knows what to say because it's impossible to describe right. what's going on because. The situation is too bad to describe. Yeah. And, and this is, this is, uh, I mean, uh, the perfect 
the perfect way uh, to describe how society deals with death is that movie The Beach for me when the guy gets bitten by the shark and everything's great. The fuck it. They're having a party. Everything's great. And then the guy gets bit by a shark and he's bleeding out. He's infected and he's just screaming and moaning all day and nobody wants to deal with it. So they move him just outside. Yeah. And then the one compassionate person goes and deals with him a day, but he's away from the good vibes of the people. Right. And that's kind of how we deal with death now. We're like, no, no, there's a building for that. Like go put the dying sick person over there as opposed to dealing with. So of course we have laws against suicide or, or you know, um, assisted assisted suicide or, or stuff like that because, <sighs> oh, no, no, don't do that because we think that, you know, any kind of premature killing of yourself is bad for some reason, arbitrarily. Um, but we also don't want to deal with it up front. So when the person is miserable, they'll cover them up, put them somewhere else. Even family doesn't know how to deal with it. And that that is disturbing to me where there's no... Uh, respectable way to like you know go through something like watching your mother not be the person that she is right. because there was no conversation that was acceptable to be like how do you want to die like that that should be the choice yeah the and when I mentioned the dignity thing that is because I you know watched my stepdad he probably if it was a normal conversation and it could have been like well how how do you want to arrange this so that you're not just in agony and then it's over? Right. Because, you know, that's generally what they do. And there there's some unspoken soft killings that happen. You know, I noticed an exorbitant amount of opiates that showed up the day he sure, yeah. couldn't deal with it. And that's kind of like the, you know, we're not going to talk about this, but I mean the nurse showed up to clear the opiates out before the fucking mortician was there. So there was something obviously going on and everything had to be accounted for. It's like, oh, wow, got this This part is really important to you guys, controlling the drugs. Right. But Yeah, it was pretty similar with my mom and mm -hmm. my brother. Yeah. was kind of like, hey, you know, do this dosage for this amount of time. And you're like, oh. Yeah, cool. and we'll slowly stop your heart yeah. kind of deal. Which isn't, I, I don't think that, is the answer to this like there should be a setup and one of the most um this book the uh, all these wonders which i was telling you about the other day mark from it's basically a collection of short stories i think eric matthews is the one who recommended it and i for some reason i just like he he showed the cover of the book on his barrel and i like it, if i like people then i usually go look at their stuff and it's usually interesting in this book i read the first chapters i got dust sold like and it's a bunch of accumulated short stories that are spoken word people get up and tell them and more than 90% of them have to do with this situation uh, about facing death, about people dying, about, uh, you know, what happens after somebody dies, like all of that stuff. And it, it, those are really powerful stories because th that I guess that's the only way we're learning about this because no mainstream thing wants to talk about it. No healthcare organization is dealing with it correctly. And one of the stories really hit on... Um, how important it was to see death. Yeah. Like uh, given in the person talking about was, um, they mostly had to do with the game and wildlife, but they also deal with like drownings and other things. So um, their perspective was given what they know when somebody has the chance to see a body, you should go see it because that in itself is a very closing thing. And she had a very like heartwarming story about a young girl wanting to see her young friend who accidentally drowned. And because she had not been taught yet, she had a very natural way around a dead body. 
where she took care of it. She tucked it in. She put it in what they call like the long sleep. And the parents were like really nervous about it because they didn't tell her how to deal with this. They were really afraid she'd have nightmares about it, all this other stuff. And it turns out it's like the best practice you could have done for a child is to show them death up front and then they naturally know how to deal with it. Yeah. They say goodbye and then they walk out. And I, I, it comes back to that story that if the story we're saying is like, oh, he's going to a better place, then why are we so fucking sad? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, to that point, most of the, like the hardest part, not the hardest, but the most exhausting part about being home besides the late nights, all the bottles of wine and dealing with everything was it was almost like I had to console my friends. Mm. Cause they like, they didn't know what to say. And I mean, you don't have to say anything, but they'd like walk in the house and be like, Hey, so, and like, no, we're good. Like it's, it's all right. Like it needed to happen. It's better this way. This is a natural course. Yeah. Of- and even when I came home, like when I went home, I knew it was going to happen. I didn't know when, but I knew I was going to be home until my mom died. Mm-hmm. And they're still like, Oh, like hope she gets better. Like, you know, Medicine will come out and like, no, guys, it's it's over. It's and just, you're the asshole that's like, she won't. Yeah, like we're <laughs> we're just waiting. Like that's it. And I'm not being cynical or morbid. That's literally what's happening. Yeah. Like there's no pill that's going to show up at the door. There's no you know magic anything that's going to happen. Like it's just a matter of when and how shitty is it going to get before it happens. So you mentioned ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> what? So I. I mean, when you came back, I kind of, uh, we had talked about doing it before you left um, uh, for home. And then obviously when you came back, it was, uh, it was under my understanding that this would be a good thing for you. Yeah, and it was. So now I'm kind of kicking myself because you're now <laughs> moving because you're blaming me. <laughs> Do you want to? No, I was just, I think I was talking to Brandon the other day and I think Roger a little bit too. Um, and I don't remember exactly the way I worded it. Um, I think I said something to the effect of like, and it didn't really have to do with my mom too much, but I was like, I've traveled the country for eight years now. Mm-hmm. I've learned from some of the best people in their respective environments and whatever for the way they train um, and the things that they do, you know, you guys for endurance and just thought provoking, just being thought provoking, you know, Jesse for powerlifting, you know, I've trained with Jared Fleming and his dad and Max Ada for weightlifting and, as much as I hate to give him credit, like I started at OPEX with James Fitzgerald. Um, so I've kind of like, I don't know, I feel like I've kind of ran the gamut of fitness people. And I was like, I feel like it's time to go home and teach everybody. And Brandon was like, is that the ayahuasca talking? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I never really thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just to go off topic from the whole death thing. But there was definitely during the ceremony that we did, which was, when was that, like October? Yeah. Um, End of September. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, nothing crazy happened. You were right next to me the whole time. Um, but I just had like this overwhelming sense of love for like two days, which I could honestly say I've probably never really experienced before, um, at least that heightened. And then when I went home for Thanksgiving, like I just, I kind of like, I felt it again, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and I think that kind of drove the decision to some degree. I mean, I never like sat at my house and was like, oh, this is ayahuasca. In hindsight, I can like maybe rationalize that's what it was or assign ayahuasca to those feelings. I can't say for sure like mother ayahuasca didn't sit next to me and tell me to move home, but I just was like, oh, this this feels right. And it never felt that way before. She is a tiger mama. But, but that's <laughs> an interesting thing. Did, did you ever previously in your life say that? 
uh, like regardless of the, the, oh, no, the circumstance, no, no. the context, not, or whatever. Not one of, time. This feels right. No. Uh, like no. Like I know that I should be doing this. It's all and and which in and of itself is um gaining that ability, I guess, or the 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 capacity or the to to be able to to know. Okay, I'm feeling something, and know that it's okay. This is this is probably something I shouldn't pursue, right? <laughs> or this feels right. Yeah. Or I want this to feel right. Therefore, I'm going to do it, even you know, regardless of how it actually feels. Yeah, I've done that because, a lot. Okay, <laughs> I've done that. Before. I think we all have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I finally, I don't know if I've been like chasing something this whole time or running away from yes, Pittsfield, do. Massachusetts. Yes, you do. You know. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. I feel like I'm done. I mean, you're sitting on the couch right now. So Is open it? up, man. Come on. <laughs> Was this a therapy session? The whole time? <laughs> it's, it's, We're not safe. even recording. You motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, it's a safe zone. Did I hear the beep? I don't think I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't remember what I was going to say. No, you. you whether you, you were kind of on that track of, I don't know if I've been chasing something, yeah, or you know, or running away from something, but, um, yes, yeah, yeah, and I guess <laughs> I mean we're all. Oh, I think where I was going to go with that or is searching, or I'm at least for this journey or this portion of my life, I'm done either chasing or running or both, at least for now. And then we'll see what the fuck happens. I mean, the third, the theme of the third issue of Rays is to seek, to search. Nice natural plug. <laughs> I like that. Did you like that? Yeah, <laughs> like that's that? Good. yeah. But it's no longer available, so it's not really a <laughs> plug. It's, so if you so, seek it, sorry, yeah. sorry, yeah. If you're seeking, or it, if you really but, seek it, you can uh, find it somewhere, but not here. That that is a hard. It's a, it's a very hard thing, and I can only speak from a thirty-something male perspective. Um, that. There is a point where there is a chase run shut where you just can't do that anymore. Yeah. And it, um, however it manifests out is always good. Like whatever decision, like whether it's a bad decision, a good decision, the fact that you're acknowledging behavior in the past and like at least altering it or being mindful of it, I think it isn't talked about either. About how, I mean, we set out on this quest out of high school or whatever, you know, our, our, our grade school years. And it's this, oh, uh, you should know what you want to do right when you get out. And most of us don't. or right. fucking no clue. Most people get 150 grand in debt trying to figure that out in college. Others do dumb shit like I did and just switch careers 90,000 times. But there, there's real no coming of age. And I think um, we're now coming of age in our 30s. Like where we go, oh, I, I actually feel like an adult now. Yeah. Because I had to stop running or stop chasing or quit believing in some magical pipe dream that is not accessible to me. And however difficult that is, um, that that becomes the start of something actually really good. Um, I, I mean, I'm probably not that far ahead of you in the chase run situation in that um, I mean, I at least, you know, had a mentor that was pretty good about guiding me through some stuff, but for the most part it was, you know, oh, this feels good and it wasn't forced. 
And now I like, I know what I need to do when I wake up in the morning. Most days. Yeah. I mean, most days. <laughs> Four out of seven is not bad. It's yeah. almost like a frantic, like some nights I can't sleep because I think we have too much to do. And there's really no, per, there's no rush, but I'm like dying to do it because I feel like out of the, you know, 10 people that listen to this podcast, I feel like they, they really like it and they, we have a common language and I got an email from somebody who came from the symposium. Um, and it was so like, I mean, I never met him before and his words reverberated my exact feeling about it, which is just like, Oh, this is so much like, this is unexplainable how good this feels to sit down with a bunch of people and talk about subjects that are interesting to me, how important that is to me is impossible to translate, especially because we're like, Oh, it's a business and you know, we're selling it. That has next to nothing to do with the actual thing that happens here. And that purpose like that, that, you know, out of all my nihilism, that at least gives me, I, I made a purpose. Like I want to talk about these things and explore the brain and physicality. And I want to do it in front of an audience that wants to interact, not just buy my shit and leave. Right. And, finding that I think is, is totally worth it. And I've never been able to articulate what exactly I want to do, but it's like, that's oh, that thing. I want that feeling and I want to be with these people. And I think if you have that, you have to do it. Yeah. No, I'm going to miss that a lot. Um, and I'm going to be back just so you guys yeah. know, I'm not going to disappear forever. We're changing the locks, dude. Sorry. <laughs> have you seen this building? I'm sure breaking in is not that hard. <laughs> I don't know. Probably there's probably an attempt once a night, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good point. All right, maybe it actually is that hard. I'll just wait outside for one of you. No, yeah. uh, for sure come back, and you're for sure always welcome to come back. And I like I hope that you know some of the stuff that I, we first started talking about it kind of manifested in a very real world way for you. I mean, when we first talked, it was I think I even mentioned on the podcast. I'm like, ah, oh, some guy like emailed me as like some 500 pound bench press and then he wants to like <laughs> learn so, about fitness. And I was literally like, you know, I, I kind of explained it as in like, I, I, I'm not going to coach you in anything. Right. Um, but I told you then, and I, I like, I think that has manifested. Like I told you, you don't need a coach. You need a purpose right. and you need a, a group to belong to generally speaking. And I think, I mean, I think you found that. Yeah, um, I did. And I think like the the belonging to the the group idea is, um, well, they've you know marketed the shit out of it, but um, but I I think it's not necessarily belonging to something, but it's being around people who maybe allow us or give us permission to do what we're going to do anyway or we're where we are about to do that like that okay if i'm with these you know with people who are reassuring who are maybe on a similar trajectory or different you know points of a of the trajectory or whatever of the same trajectory but but if i'm if when i'm around these people i don't question my own path or purpose as much yeah because i see around me other people who are you know involved in a similar thing, whether, you know, yeah. And I can look at it and realize like, wow, they're pretty far down the road and they have doubt as well. Right. Yeah. (laughs) About the direction of that road that they're on or, or about how, you know, where this journey is aimed 
you know, in, in, in a sense. Um, and so I think that's the kind of thing that comes, comes with, the you know, this, this idea of belonging. It's really sort of, you know, reassurance that, oh yeah, they're, it's a little teen angsty, but uh, I'm not the only one. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not, and, and the, the, and the thing is, you know, these are, we're, the, the, the this, the idea of like feeling isolated and I'm, and, and I'm alone and I don't know what I want to do when this and that. And, and, uh, and wanting to resolve that. I'm just like, well, that's a natural, that's actually a natural human thing. That's not a young person thing. That's not an old person thing. It's just like, no, we're all going having that experience. So if I can get around three or four people who are, you know, having a, you know, doubts that are similar to my own and in the same place, or even around people who are like, wow, I thought that dude had his shit together, but apparently (laughs) (laughs) that was an illusion. Right. (laughs) Um, And if, if that person who apparently has it all, you know, wired tight, is waking up each morning and kind of wondering a little bit. Okay, then it must be okay to wonder. It must be okay to explore. It must be okay to ask these questions. It's actually probably okay to even feel like this. To me, that's, I think, the benefit of belonging or finding people who are, you know, in a similar space. Yeah. Just that it's like, hey, man. We don't know what we're doing either. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, if we go back to this whole journey I've been on, I fucking hate that word, but we'll we'll just call it that we're for gonna, now. We're going to ban it. Yep. Yeah, write um, it up on the board. I, I do think coming here has been like the perfect culmination on top of all of that to kind of, I mean, when we had talked, it was I wanted to be a part of something. I need a group, this and that, and I don't necessarily feel like I need that now. Like, I wanted to be a part of something somebody else was leading. And now I feel like I'm perfectly capable and comfortable with being the person leading that group. And I think a lot of that stemmed from being here and conversation stuff we've done in the gym outside of the gym. So I think it was, and I mean, it it would keep going if I stayed for sure. Um, But since I'm not like, I think it is like kind of the, the perfect last chapter to close the book out or whatever the fuck analogy you want to use yeah. um, for whatever I've been doing for the last eight years. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it, it does. I mean, to me, it, it mirrors the ideal training trajectory of, you know, the, the client comes, they go through this process of yeah. learning how to sort of steer and, they learn the skills during that process to go out on their own and maybe to, you know, facilitate that for others. It's just that it happened a little too fast for, you know, <laughs> us to extract the pound of flesh that we Sorry, you, got, you did it too well, <laughs> not knowing you were doing it. Well, that, or maybe knowing you were or, doing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're just pissed because it was unplanned. <laughs> exactly. Wait, we didn't control this one? You know, if I ever did a thing that was planned, let me know because that'd be the first time. <laughs> Well, I, I think there is something like those are the most, um, I mean, the, the, so the, 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 the most powerful transformations are generally the unplanned ones, um, because the ideas that set them are so concrete. Like there, there's this, uh, this is really stupid, but in that, in that, I, uh, movie inception where they're talking about how to, you know, plant an idea in somebody, 
it has to be your own idea. Yeah. Like it can't be somebody else's idea. The people that grab somebody else's idea are totally unhappy with everything that they ever get. Cause it's not, it's not internal. It's not an in, endogenous, uh, organic, uh, manifestation of will. And I, I know that that's breaking all, you know, David Hume's fucking thing and willpower and like, but we kind of need that in order to do what we need to do. And so, um, I think on accident, it well on accident, not on accident. My brain's going crazy trying to scratch the carpet. Um, you, you found this because probably you weren't expecting to, or like you, you predicted, Oh, I know this place because it's a fitness space and it's this and it's that. And I, I think that's really why it, it, it hits so hard and it maybe it feels so powerful is because all of the things that line up and this is your own idea. This is the one thing that you can own is no, I need to go do this. And then if you go do that, you, you actually put into action that idea Yeah, that, that process is what I think they call zero to one or whatever fucking Silicon Valley bullshit. Like going from nothing to this thing that you're about to do is, is, that in essence is everything. Yeah. I mean, there was no, my dad wasn't like, I need you to move home. You mm. should move. Like he was almost the exact opposite. There was nobody, you know, at Thanksgiving or any family members or anything texting me or calling me or talking to me that are like, you know, you should do this. Like your dad needs you. Your family needs you. Like there was none of that. Mm. I was literally, I think it was the night after Thanksgiving. I was sitting in front of the fire. My dad had gone to bed and it kind of just hit me. It was like, you have to do this. And I was like, oh fuck, I do, don't I? And that was like literally how that happened. There was no, I mean, yeah, I talked to people about it, but at the same time, I really didn't like, there was maybe two people in Pittsfield. I brought it up to, I mentioned it to Alex and that was about it. And I talked to my dad and I was just like, Hey, I think I need to do this thing. And I was like, I don't know how long it'll be for or whatever, but I think I'm going to move home. And he was like, when? And I was like, well, I'd like to be home before Christmas at this point. Like, I don't want my dad sitting in his house alone. And at the same time, like I didn't want to sit in my house alone without him either. So what, what are you doing? <laughs> Lambert's just doing what he needs to do. <laughs> Lambert's getting his last licks in he before I leave. Manifestation exactly. <laughs> of compulsive licking. <laughs> well, and called out again. <laughs> but yeah. Sorry. I made uh, this podcast super bummer. Well, actually it's your fault. You it made is, this it podcast is a super bummer. Um, I mean, it, it's not, I'd say that only jokingly because it, although like I am sad to see you go, it is like, it's always, um, it's always fulfilling to see somebody do something that they need to do. Yeah. Um, uh, no matter what that is. And even though I'm taking the short end of the stick on this one, you still have Mark. Uh, yeah. <laughs> short end of the stick. <laughs> he, <laughs> he can't get away. Yeah. He's recovering. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, exactly. I'm immobilized by Don Joy. <laughs> That motherfucker. <laughs> Another, yeah. Don, there is no joy in this. <laughs> I don't know what you were thinking, but. <laughs> now people would be like, Jesus, what's wrong with that guy? He's in and out of the hospital. He must be addicted to opiates. That's <laughs> it. He just keeps having like, you know, these minor surgeries in order to get pain meds. Six more yeah. months. Be like, ah, yeah, my, f my finger. I yeah. Did. I think other, other hip. That's when it's time to go. <laughs> Fucking shoulder reconstruction. That last one lasted 12 years. So I figure if I get 12 years out of this one, 
I'll be, I'll be, it'll be about time to be done. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. And then you'll be confronting mortality. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. So what do you plan to do when you're. That's a good question. Um, so I'm leaving Monday. I'm going to, I want to be home before Christmas. Like I said, so that gives me, you know, probably seven days to drive back. I might stop at a few friends' places, see their gyms, maybe catch a workout. I might not. I'm just going to kind of, if I feel like driving, I'm just going to keep going. Um, when I get home, um, I'm going to be that 34-year-old that moves back in with his dad for a little while nice. um, <laughs> until I got a buddy that's hopefully got an apartment for me. But anyways, um, the local one of the local high school teams wants me, football teams wants me to work with their kids in the offseason for uh, strength training. So I'm going to do that. Um and yeah, I'm just going to go from there and kind of see. I don't want to plan too much because I have no idea. I might be there for two months and fucking hate it. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to take it one day at a time and kind of do a lot of training, maybe some writing that I can send to you and you can tell me how shitty it is um, like you've done before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know don't that, believe uh, I said that. You, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't. <laughs> um, I have this feeling that there's a gym over in Williamstown, maybe near the college that you're going to join. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think I've only been to Williamstown about three times in my entire life. Oh, okay. And if that never goes to four, I think I'd be totally okay with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just, you know. Is it a YMCA? Say, is there like a plan of fitness over there? No, 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 no. I was just, I, I was just thinking that. I don't know if you had I, anything. No, no, no. It's not, not specific. Just that there's a college there. There is a college there. Yeah. <laughs> And that implies that there's the F's, isn't that what they're called? The, I, or something like that? I don't know. I think that's their <laughs> their name. Um I don't know. My dad had mentioned he'd help me open a gym. I don't think I'm completely ready to commit to something that permanent anytime soon. Don't do it. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> don't open a gym. But there's a CrossFit gym <laughs> in town that they're gonna let like they'll let me train there. I'll talk to them about maybe some personal training or something like that. But well. Stick with the online stuff. And and because we're really good at advertising, as you've noticed, yeah. how can people find you if they want to? Yeah, I think at this point, uh, Keegan Dillon on Instagram is about the only way you can find me, and that's with one E, and you can figure the rest out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Keegan. So, <laughs> <laughs> I have to. Every it, time it's I more say like one e, I Kegan, go, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> My parents just wanted to fuck me and have my name spelled wrong all the time. Nickname Keg. See, yes. That that came in handy. Um, <laughs> so Maya and Gus. Yep. Are uh, they're on, take, uh, are they're on board they're on board for this truck journey? They are. Maya's right. probably one of the most well traveled dogs I know, at least within the country. Okay. So she's gone from Massachusetts to Arizona mm. to California to Texas to Reno to Salt Lake City back to Massachusetts. So She's she's no slouch in the car. She knows what she's doing. She sleeps the entire time. <laughs> Gus is a little more anxious. He needs to look okay. out the window and kind of see what's going on. Yeah. And then he just looks like this all the time with his tongue hanging out and he just pants in my ear the whole time. Just like so, new shit happening, Dad. Yeah. All right. Let's <laughs> Different do it. color cars. Yeah. <laughs> Except that I can't see color. Or, right. <laughs> well, how do I know that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He is a millennial. Yeah. <laughs> I always wondered when uh, <laughs> used to road trip um, a lot with, and especially with with Zuma, go back and forth between Boulder and Salt Lake, and uh, I always wondered like, is there a is there like a geographic representation in her head of these the the the, the changing smells? 
Mm. Like, cause she always seemed to know that within like a hundred miles of Salt Lake or something, you know, Oh, or I'm I, I know yeah. that I like, I perk, you know, she'd perk up and would know this. Something's like, familiar. So something her. is familiar yep. with this. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't the, what she was seeing out the window. Yeah. Well, he does that when we drive up the hill. Like, so he'll just sleep the whole time. And as soon as I get the exact same spot up Suncrest, that uh-huh. drive, as soon as we get to the second switchback, yeah. he pokes up. Like, like he, we're oh, almost he home. And engine. I was thinking it was the elevation. Like we went up a thousand feet or and the then pitch ears, of the engine yeah. or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. it could be, yeah, it could like be he feels pressure. the barometric tr- pressure change or so. there's yeah. something that's really fucking bizarre. I don't, it doesn't make any sense. Totally. I just, uh, there was, there was a joke going around. I think it was a meme. Maybe it's a comedian or something. They were talking about a Mimi, a Mimi, <laughs> how terrifying it would be like to be, a de- every time you get into a car, you have no idea where you're going. You just get in and then sit and then just like, Wait. So I <laughs> or or it'd be awesome because you just think you're going on like an adventure. Yeah, I just like yeah. I have empathy for Gus because he's just like, what now? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it feels like you're getting kidnapped every day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lambert knows by now. He's going to the office. He's got work to do. Come on, let's get this shit together. Yeah. As soon as I pick up my shoes, he's up sitting by the door. He has his habit. But and now he's sleeping. And yeah. now he's sleeping for now. Until he gets up and tries to scrape it. Well, he doesn't have all that fluff on him anymore, so he's not as comfortable. Nice. He's got that sweet haircut. It is a sweet haircut. That's a fine haircut. He's a good-looking boy. He really looks like a kid going to his first day of school. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He heard that. He's got white shoes, like really white shoes. Very new. Unusually white white shoes. shoes. Air Force Ones. (laughs) (laughs) Decades. Some fucking cult member, man. Do they have white decades? No. I think think not. Just black with white soles. Yeah, and or no souls. <laughs> no, the, the souls went out. The those go with the balls. Yeah, I think so. Those get, okay. <laughs> I looked at a pair online the other night. There's still sixty six hundred dollars. Of course, it's six thousand six hundred and sixty six. Yeah. Well, I was They're, hoping to find different ones, but that size was a twelve and a half or whatever is the only thing going right now. Yeah. Berkey just sent me a podcast. If you're looking for something to listen to on the way to Massachusetts, I am. Ten episodes. Oh. Oh. All on Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate cult. Oh. You'll have to text that to me or I'll forget about it. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to be really good. <laughs> like, I, I think I want to say that last podcast on the left did something. Okay. Uh, and they're great. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard their stuff on Heaven. Uh, dude, their one on the Manson family is really good. Or they did uh, the David, uh, was it David Koresh? No, David. That, that is a, that is a, an individual. Which one is, which one is that? Which cult? Uh, Waco. Waco. Yeah. That's it. So it's not David Koresh. That, that was the location. That wasn't the name of the... Right. He <laughs> was... Uh, the Waco cult. Yeah. I can't remember the name of his, but it was the other David. Mo David. Uh, what they <laughs> called Moses, but then they called Mo David. He had the sex cult from the 60s. It was like a really weird... Anyway, they're, they have like four episodes. They're so fucking good. Because they... A, ton of detail, but there's four comedians that basically tell the story. Oh, my. It's fucking out of control so he's not just regular david he's mo david, mo david yeah he's, he's, mo david that's the most <laughs> bizarre fucking cult it's so weird uh, that's the one that they i mean they had sex with their own kids and like all Ugh. sorts of weird shit and it was like you know prophecy or whatever they're still around today that's the weird part well they, and then they had all the, that fucking I mean, so the kid one of his kids <laughs> went to jail in 2012 for attempting to murder his mom because he got out of the cult. Uh, it's it's super fucked up. I was going to say, I mean, Catholicism's still around, and they're huge fans <laughs> of little boys. 
<laughs> Man, how hasn't that died out yet? Weird. Another thing I'm not worried about you guys losing followers if I say that because everybody's totally on board. All 10 people. <laughs> All 10 people, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I wonder. I saw that thing that Ross sent. It was like a picture of something. I don't know if that was for our podcast or for a different one, though. Uh-oh. All right, just so um, we can count, if you guys are listening to this right now, raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I'm really not uh, still sure. 10. It's still 10. <laughs> oh, man, they've gone crazy. <laughs> I haven't listened to last podcast on the left in a if, while. If you're in Excel one of these days and you just see some dude on a bike or something do this. Raise his hand. You're going to know exactly what he's doing. What podcast <laughs> he's listening to. Children of God. Okay. It's the children of God. And yes, they're still around today. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Here's the episode 249, Children of God Part 2. Dad was a sexy guy is the title of that. <laughs> so it is comedians talking about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then part three, Flesh Daddy. <laughs> oh wow so fucking good uh anyway they have a bunch of stuff if you ever get yeah no i'll need that for the drive well i got a couple books on tape but generally those get boring after a while unless they're dan brown novels <laughs> never get boring they have a way of i mean you can even like this back this is old school you know when you had the individual cds that you had to put in and sometimes i'd put the wrong cd in like I would skip a book or whatever, and it would be on something that I should have no idea about, but I was still enthralled. <laughs> like I was like, I'm four, 14 chapters ahead on this next CD, and I still feel like I'm into it. I get it. Even though I missed everything that would explain what's going <laughs> on right now. I The the very first time I wa- uh, watched Braveheart as a movie, went and got, I don't know if they were tapes or DVDs, doesn't matter, but there had to be two of them. So it must have been tapes. Yeah, yeah. I think the VHS was a set of two. Yeah. It was a, yeah, that was a really long fucking movie. It was yeah. a pretty long movie, yeah. And so put put it in, started watching, and it was really, really <laughs> weird. Like all, it seems like a bunch they of didn't stuff. Explain anything already happened, and then. It, um, but I'm just like, okay, that's kind of cool. They're taking, you know, they're they're giving us a lot of credit as an audience, and um, and and then like you know we still got one. They're wait, he's dead. <laughs> We got one more tape. You're like, they go back in the second one? Mel Gibson is really progressive. (laughs) This is amazing. He's stealing from Quentin Tarantino. Just like Quentin Tarantino (laughs) before Tarantino. Exactly. I cried during Braveheart the first time I saw it. I I cried that I missed the first half. (laughs) (laughs) That movie will never be the same. It'll never be the same. (laughs) Now I want to go watch it halfway and just see what Mark experienced. (laughs) Just just start it halfway and then go back and watch the first, you know, then you go back and watch the first part and you're like, oh, okay, it kind of makes sense. Super pissed about that. (laughs) That's that's why he went to war. Yeah, okay. They were not nice to his new bride. No. Got it. That is a good movie. Well... Should we wrap up on a happy theme since this is a sad day for us? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick it off with being super happy. Um, thank you guys for welcoming me into the porch, as we I've known to call it. Um, <laughs> Better than L. Jim. Yeah, <laughs> with a J. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, uh, I've learned a lot. I think I've grown quite a bit as a coach, person, that whole, you know, bullshit. But... Um, I'm not good at being sad, so just, mm. I don't know. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. That's and because I, of your gratitude journaling practice that I read about every day. That, is that what it is? I yeah, just get it out in the morning? Yeah, it's pay, no, it's paying off because yeah. now. You, you know, know it's awful? You mock gratitude so, journaling in the morning, and that's the way to start the day right there. <laughs> so I bought both of you 
intention intentions journals <laughs> as a joke and i've yet to find a good time to give them to you so if i if i can find them you guys might come back like monday morning and they'll be sitting on the desk <laughs> i bought them like four months ago okay and i was like oh, i'll just leave them one day and then i was like no it's not the right time no it's not the right time maybe it's the right time okay i so how do I use? Is there does it come with a like an instruction kind of thing? Or I guess no. It just depends on your intentions. Judge right bad, <laughs> right bad on the top. I, can I bad have a bad intention journal? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, bring it right now. Is the right time exactly right now? It, ex it is exactly the right time for. I wonder if I can find those. I'll look for them. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, thank you for. I mean, a in investing in whatever the idea is, or or being. I don't know. Whatever this is, we don't what, know. We don't know what this is. So, I mean, thanks for being a part of it because you've definitely added to it. You'll definitely be a part whenever you want to come back. Um, yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and th yeah, thanks for seeing the opportunity or the, the chance to take and actually taking it because most don't. Thanks or won't. For, thanks for having the opportunity available. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so... 10% is the tithe from here on out, or 11 if you want to make me happy. I was going to say, if Real you're looking one. for opportunity, <laughs> I've got this multi-level marketing opportunity for you. It's, it's, it's not, <laughs> we don't call it that anymore. Network marketing. Yeah. Yeah, Ponzi's, use your network. Sorry, Come I've on. got a Ponzi opportunity. <laughs> Has go. that word gone away long enough that we can bring yeah. it back? We yeah. can now bring it back. Ponzi, exactly. he was this you know, uh, 19th century economist that came up with this brilliant way for about 2% of the people belonging to an organization to make all the money. It's fucking fantastic. The government? <laughs> yeah, the biggest Ponzi scheme of all time. Of, of all time, exactly. <laughs> and on I that thought, note. <laughs> did, yeah, yeah, we should, we, it, and because it is positive. Yeah, it is like you get involved in that Ponzi scheme. I mean, if you got in early, yeah, and good. you stayed in long enough, you're doing good. Yeah, like so, you're an oil oil money family of some sort. I, I was just thinking. I'm mean, going to end end the uh, episode with hashtag term limits. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you all for listening. <laughs> Perfect. Thank, thank you. you.